Hello listeners and welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast, bringing you energy matters in an informal setting. My name is Richard Swarrison. Today we're in Berlin and we're looking at a German energy policy uh, special. I'm joined by my colleague uh, Nora Kampard-Bulli, who's editor Germany. Welcome to you, Nora. Hello. How, how's 2020 been so far for you? It's been a busy start of the year. We've both had birthdays, haven't we? We have. Capricorns yeah. all the way. <laughs> exactly. I hope, I hope you've got some nice prezies. Yeah, I did. Nice and grumble. A nice cushion from a friend. Now that I'm you know, getting old, I need to be comfortable. Absolutely. Very nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. Perfect. <laughs> And we're going to meet a very prominent economist, uh, economist even, who is often uh, in the news uh, regarding energy policy from, from Berlin. Could you give us some more details about who we're going to meet today? Yes, we're going to, uh, to meet up with Claudia Kempford. She's a uh, professor of energy economics and sustainability and also head of the Department of Energy, Transport and Environment at the German Institute of Economic Research, DIW. As you said, quite a prominent uh, voice in in the energy policy debate in Germany with you know strong opinions mm. so i'm looking forward to to hearing her thoughts should be a good discussion i think and yes. last week certain policy was made clear or a little mm. bit clearer wasn't it in germany we Indeed. had the timetable for lignite closures could you say something about that nora absolutely that was a timetable we've all been waiting for for quite a long time so what we finally got is that 2.8 gigawatt of lignite will leave the market over the next three years mm. all of those belong to rwe Mm. Uh, and are situated in western parts of Germany. Mm. Uh, then we will see two years uh, between 23 and 24 where nothing mm. leaves the market and then another sort of bout of closures between 25 and 29 of 5.7 gigawatt combined, mm. this time also covering Leak, who runs uh, lignite operations in eastern parts of Germany. There was a big debate how far East German companies or the East German mining region can already handle mm. losing valuable workplaces uh, that are vi- very important for the economy there. And then we've so, seen um, the ultra-modern coal-fired plant Dutton finally, or, potentially. Or, or so they say, yes. <laughs> finally coming online around... Middle, sort of, middle of the year. Mid, middle of the mm-hmm. year. Um, and then some hard coal plants which be tended for closure. But I think... Uh, I'm looking forward to discussing with with Claudia more what this means for the market and mm-hmm. more about the criticism surrounding uh, these policy annou- announcements and even hearing more you know what it means for EUA cancellations and then other energy policy uh, issues so Indeed. we'll we'll leave that for the discussion with Claudia yeah, looking forward to it excellent let's go let's go hello and welcome Claudia Kempfert Hello. Welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast. It's an honor to have you on board. Thank you for having me. I thought we'd start by discussing latest uh, policy moves with regard to announcements made by the German government recently. There was some clarity last week about the Lignite closure timetable. Could you give us some details in here and what your reaction was to this? Yeah, well, it has been a long process uh, to come to this uh, coal phase-out plan, the concrete phase-out plan, including the law in Germany, because uh, previously there has been a coal commission uh, also establishing recommendations how to do it best in Germany. And the government discussed one year and came up with with a solution last week. Uh, meaning that they will not follow in total the recommendations of the Coal Commission. 
they are not phasing out coal as quickly as the commission has indicated or recommended. Uh, they are, uh, have also agreed on special compensation payments for the utilities, which are very high. So at the end, I would say it's not wise to not to follow the recommendations of the coal committee or coal commission and also to increase the costs so heavily. So it's quite expensive coal phase-out or quite expensive climate policy for not enough transformation, I would I would say. How does it differ from the, the plans laid out by the Coal Commission, what the government put forward last week? Yeah, they are starting later than the Coal Commission has uh, recommended. Um, they are not phasing out uh, as the capacities as the Coal Commission has indicated, Mm. And um, they are not increasing the renewable energy as much mm. as the Commission has indicated. Mm. And also the payment or the compensation are much higher than, than initially thought. These compensation payments, how big were these? Well, it's about um, 3 billion euro that the coal companies get. Um, it's much higher than initially planned, especially if you look at the profitability of the power plants. It's much too high, I would say. They get a lot of money for phasing out nothing, so to say, because the coal-fired power plants are already quite old and they would have been shut down anyhow. So that's quite large and also the compensation is quite high. So it's quite a big gift to these companies anyway. I mean, would there be a case for saying that some of these plants now would run longer than they would originally have done, given what's happening in the carbon market, given how these are sort of increasingly being priced out of the market? Yeah, that's a good point, especially because of the increasing CO2 prices, they are already priced out. So I would say, yes, they are running longer mm -hmm. and they get money for it. Mm -hmm. And that's not how markets should, should solve it. But it's a good deal for the utilities, really good deal. They make profit out of it but anyhow the government the government wanted to phase out nuclear uh, coal after nuclear and this is the reason why they came late and they wanted to have a, also um, a peaceful way of doing it with all the different kind of uh, voices uh, they wanted to to get around the the table and get um, a solution for it but at the end i would say it's quite it's quite um, expensive uh, for utility or for the the taxpayer in Germany. But it's interesting you're saying they tried to find a solution that would kind of please everyone, but the immediate reaction, at least from the environmental uh, lobby, was, was, was outrage. I mean, what was it? It's a scandal. It was very strong words they found because they felt that so much of it was in breach of the, uh, the hard-fought proposals from the Coal Commission. And I think one of their key points was that, as you said, the closures come later. Uh, there's three stages, I think, of closures, and, and a lot of the plants going offline are kind of coming offline at the last possible time or year. Some have argued that that really is also detrimental to really reducing emissions. Do you have some numbers on that, or how much harder is it for Germany? Because they're doing it to meet emissions target. They're not just doing it to ruin the coal industry in Germany. There, there is a a plan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And this is why it's so a pity that they are not following the very difficult agreement of the Coal Commission because they recommended to start earlier with um, phase-out coal-fired power plants, the older one and the most inefficient ones, and then um, not do everything at the latest. And right now they are doing the opposite. They mm. do everything at the latest, so they are running longer and get even more money for it as they initially have recommended. So I think it's not a wise strategy to do it in that way, especially if you have a coal commission 
recommending special path and also compensation methods, not to do that in that way is exactly as you described. They are um, opposing a part of, of this committee or commission, and that's a problem also for, for the peaceful way of, of doing it. And um, also from the what you mentioned, uh, the emission reduction, it will not be high enough, or they do it because mm -hmm. they want to reduce emissions in the energy sector. That will not happen in that way. So to uh, the first calculations, it's uh, 50 million above the target they wanted to, to mm -hmm. reach. So 50 million tons of CO2 need to be reduced in another sector. Most likely it's the transportation sector, not the building sector, because you need more time for it. And here's a big question mark how they would do that, because the transportation sector is lacking emission reduction strongly, and they need to revise that as well. So to my opinion, it's very, it's, it's really a pity. I agree with this criticism uh, you have heard or mentioned uh, in Germany, um, indicating by the environmental groups, but also by scientists mm. of that group in saying, well, it's too late, it's too expensive, and we will not reach the time, the climate targets. And that's um, that was the initial plan of doing yeah. so. So it's, it's not understandable why they do it in that way. So it's obviously a, a victory for some hard lobbying by the utilities or by the, the coal lobby, it seems, seems, mm. seems to be. But an additional aspect which I find very interesting, Claudia, is that you have, there's been talk as long as, almost as long as I've been working at Montel about this one coal plant called Dateln, uh, this very ultra-modern coal plant that looks like that's going to come online finally after many, many years, 10, 12, 15 years. So isn't that a little bit ironic that actually Germany then is, is granting, um, you know, a license for a new coal-fired power station to come online and emit even more. Yeah, that's really a big mistake, uh, to my opinion, because mm -hmm. uh, as you were correctly mentioning, they are emitting more, even though they say, well, we are shutting down old fired power plants and we are not emitting more but if you look carefully at the at the balance you see it will they will increase emissions especially mm. because this power plant will run until the end and uh, this mm. is not a wise decision to bring a new coal fired power plant in place especially of the signal you give also that you announcing a coal phase out plan and mm. the first thing you do is to phase in a new one mm. that's not a, that's not a clever strategy i would say and the Coal Commission recommended not to do that, yeah. and uh, I would agree they should have not done it. And they arguing because the compensation is too high, but right now the compensation is already extremely high. So it seems that they are just, uh, as you mentioned, a big uh, victory of the coal lobby, that's for sure, because um, if they would have not agreed on this huge compensations, it would have been much cheaper and also more efficient. Absolutely. And then you have the additional factor of once you do start closing these plants, if and when, well, we have the timetable now, uh, of course, but then what do you do with the EUAs? Because mm -hmm. this is a big factor for the carbon market. The carbon mm, market right. is looking at this and saying, well, we want clarity on when and how, how do you do this? Because, you know, if this is not clear, then, you know, you're going to leave a lot of uncertainty. Will, will these come to the market or won't they come to the market? Uh, right. And by when? Exactly. Um, what's your view here? Well, I completely agree that you need clarity for this. And at the first stage, they said, well, we will not get these... Uh, 
emission allowances out of the market, but now they say, okay, that we will do that and we will um, use the market stability reserve for this, but it's unclear mm. how mm. big this will be and what does it mean on the market and um, how much they will really reduce the uh, or put the emission certificates into this reserve um, in order to, to clarify the market. So we need urgency on, on the clarity mm. of, of this. You know, we are a few days before the government is due to officially announce this. Do you expect any changes to be announced or any unexpected issues to come up uh, when it is due, which is on Wednesday, 29th? Is, you know, if I'm not mistaken, do you, will there be any more clarity on this issue, for example? Or well, will they, they backtrack even in, in, as a response to the criticism? Yeah, I hope so, that they will give clarity at least on this uh, emission certificates mm -hmm. that they clearly say, well, we do that. We are calculating the emissions and we will put this um, EUAs out of out of the market and that same uh, amount or, or in the same value. I hope that they will say this in this direction, but I don't assume that they will that they will come up really with surprises or new mm -hmm. ideas. I could imagine that they're the opposition, especially the Greens, will react in the parliamentary process after Wednesday yeah. mm -hmm. when they announce it, because the last time when they established the CO2 prices, if you remember, in Germany, yeah. and the CO2 increase of the price of uh, for uh, for different kind of fossil fuels, um, they made the uh, the law, and after the Greens in the parliamentary process changed the price again, and they already announced that they would go for different kind of corrections. Uh, well, we will see whether they will make it. Yeah, that's an interesting point because last time it was the, the Bundesrat, the, exactly. uh, which represents the federal states, so I guess, in, in, in Germany. And, and they can propose changes. But obviously, one of the key issues with the Lignite deal has been that some of these states are very instrumental mm -hmm. in, in bringing about the kind of watered-down version. So how, may, how much of a chance do you see that that sort of body can, can, can bring changes? Well, it might bring a little changes, but not fundamental ones. So, but I think it's quite unlikely that they will go for um, larger changes because the, if they would do so, they, we would have already heard it, yeah. that they say it uh, to oppose it, but they didn't. They were very clear the last time with the CO2 price as um, the government was... Uh, um, also presenting their ideas, uh, the Greens immediately said, well, we, we oppose that and we'll, we'll try everything we can to, to change. But this time they didn't say. So I think yeah. the chances are quite low that they will come up with any kind of corrections. Yeah. Maybe as a note to our listeners, the, uh, the national CO2 price was raised from 10 euros right. to 25 exactly. as part of that process because yes, exactly. 10 euros would have, it was mm. argued, to have, have no effect. Yeah, that was a so-called climate package yeah. where the, the German government tried to establish a climate package and there was a lot of criticism from mm. all, for all different kinds of sides. Of course, we've talked a lot about lignite. Uh, Datteln was a hard coal plant and um, basically with the lignite closures, you're getting compensation direct to the um, operators because there's only basically two big companies, whereas hard coal, they are going the tender route. Mm. Uh, do you think uh, that makes sense? We haven't seen a price, a, a sort of a maximum price they're willing to pay an operator for agreeing to shut down capacity. That's kind of like a, what you call a reverse auction, I guess, mm -hmm. the, the lowest yeah. price wins. Exactly. Yeah. This is what I've heard as well. But there is a lot of criticism against this um, this plan to have this tender 
uh, process because the Stadtwerke, the uh, how do you call them, the municipalities, they are offending it and they are opposing it because they think it's uh, unfair to them, especially if you have a hard coal CHB plant. Um, it's or they say it's it's more uh, costly and, and changing than this method would allow to mm -hmm. to price in, and that's a major disadvantage they see. Although the the lignite uh, utilities get a full compensation mm. and could run longer, and uh, the the hard coal, including CHB, has different rules here. And I think the last word here is not spoken. But um, we will see how they manage really to change because what we need here is also a phase-in of renewables, especially also for, for heat, uh, renewable heat, our CHB mm -hmm. plants. Mm -hmm. And this has not been established. So right now, uh, to my opinion, it's only a clear focus of phasing out, phasing out everything, phasing out nuclear, phasing out coal, phasing out lignite, phasing out steam, uh, but nobody talks about phasing in. And this is a big pity, and this is this is really a mis mistake because uh, talking about um, CHB, we need clear rules in um, transferring this to renewable heat, mm -hmm. and this is not done at all. And as you say, the deal as it is on the table now, or the measures as they've been put forward, will indicate an increase of 50 to 60 million tons, and the, those reductions or potential reductions would need to come from the transport sector, but then you'd need... What electrification or transport, which would then imply a huge, you know, rollout of of, of new renewables. Where's that going to come from? Exactly. Who's going to build that? And who's gonna, where's the incentive for that coming from? Well, there are no incentives for this. Well, transportation, sustainable transportation, is more than just electrifying the cars. It's much more than also the railway, which which needs to be strengthened. Of course, also with uh, electricity from renewables, we need less transportation, intelligent in transportation, especially also in the cities with digitalization mm. and smart mobility concepts and all this. Mm. There are not enough incentives for this because we see the emission increase of the past is coming primarily primarily from road transportation, road mm. transport. And here we need to shift away from diesel and gasoline cars towards more electric mobility, of course, but also um, a less or more efficient transport mode at all. And mobility per se, including digitalization, uh, needs clear incentive for a change. Mm. To answer your question, there is no clear strategy mm. uh, to compensate this 50 or 60 million ton. Of CO2, mm. so at the end we might not reach the climate targets as mm. we have, as we have indicated to do so. That's mm. so with this with this plan we will not reach it. So if you were in charge of this policy, Claudia, what what would you have put forward? What would have been the key elements for you? I would follow the recommendations of the Coal Commission. This is mm. why they have been recommend or established recommendations with a really hard process in getting those and then the coal phase-out would be earlier, would be more efficient and less costly. Mm. And uh, in the, at the same time, what we need to do is to increase the share of renewables by 
three or four times more than we do right now. Mm. And this needs to be attracted, especially in order to compensate not only the electricity for the energy sector, but also for industry, for the electrification of the transportation sector. We need more renewables. And right now we have a problem with the wind, yeah. Yeah. Uh, wind share increase. So there's a huge mess. Although the people like it, um, the government is doing everything that people uh, seem not to like it anymore. Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah. the whole process is very inefficient. So that would be my second thing to what I would do better, as you ask, is to is to change that and also the, to change the process. And mm. the third thing I would do is transportation, which needs to be more sustainable mm. very urgently. And mm. All the three things are lacking. What can the government do to increase the renewable share? I mean, three to four times, I think you said. Obviously, yeah. Germany already has, I think, over 100 gigawatt of renewable capacity. Yeah, the, the, the three to four times of the speed of oh, right of now. the speed. The yes. okay. speed of, yes. uh, of increasing the share. Hmm. Um, it's not the total capacity, no, okay. but what we need right now is especially an increase of renewables in the southern Germany, yes. in Baden-Württemberg and Bavaria. Especially because uh, there also the the uh, energy demand is quite high, mm -hmm. and we need also a higher share of renewables, as I already said, for the industry and for CHP uh, for the heat production as well, and including um, a higher share of insulation of buildings because we need a higher energy efficiency in the building sector as well. So for all this, we need an increase of renewables, not only wind. Yeah. Solar is uh, is still limited with. Uh, a 52 cap uh, of, uh, 52 of gigawatt. compensation, mm -hmm. gigawatt cap, um, that should be replaced or should be deleted uh, yes. completely. And um, also the increase of uh, wind is, is very important, biomass and, and all the rest, geothermal as well. So we need to have all the different kind of renewables as team players in the market as soon as possible. What's the role of hydrogen here? Claudia, I mean, where, where do you see that fitting in? Is it? It's maybe too early to say, but that could have a key role in, for example, the uh, you know the the decarbonisation of transport, uh, yeah. heating maybe as well. Now, uh, for heating, I especially don't see it because it's too costly. Because mm. we need to produce hydrogen, and for this, we need uh, seven to eight times more renewables than if we would use the renewables your renewable electricity directly. Mm. So we rec recommend to use uh, renewables electricity directly as much as you can for electric mobility, for railway, for buildings like uh, heat pumps, for example. And for those areas where you don't use the electricity directly, especially for ships, planes and trucks, mm -hmm. uh, we recommend to use alternative fuels and here hydrogen could be one option. But probably further down the line. Further down the line, especially because you have to produce hydrogen. It's very costly. Very, You need a lot of renewables for this. And there are scenarios showing where we go to North Africa and produce with solar heat hydrogen there. But that's mm. also very costly because you need transportation. It's so costly that you should use it only for those areas where you don't have a clear alternative with renewable energy to use it directly because of efficiency and because of cost. And then I think um, key element as well for on, on the policy front is is what's come, going to come out of Brussels in this new commission mm. uh, in, in the Green Deal. Do you expect more to come from 
from the Commission in terms of, you know, clearly laying out a the decarbonisation of, of of the gas sector and also um, becoming, you know, the, the electrification of transport, etc. Do you expect a big push to come from them? Yeah, I, I expect a big push coming from the Green Deal, but especially because of the investment, which is triggered also to the individual sectors where we need it, with the increase of renewable energy, with the increase of electrification of the transportation sector, but also in the building sector and use the, such kind of prosumer approaches that you use the buildings, which are very energy efficient, that they produce electricity and consume it uh, with battery storage, for example, or other storage options and all this is in the green deal and for to me it will bring a big push although the one trillion which is mentioned sounds a lot it's not really a lot of money if you look at the expenditures that Europe is doing every year it's only the subsidies of fossil fuels or the imports of fossil fuels which is one trillion in, a, mm. in, in two years so uh, that's not a large amount of money but we need for this more but the framework is important here and you Europe will provide this framework which we need in order to transform the whole system and for this I would say the Green Deal is, is much better and much more worth than the climate package or what Germany is right now doing. Okay, we'll watch, keep a close watch on, on, on Brussels I think going forward. Claudia Kempfertz, thank you very much for joining the Montel podcast and, and Nora, thank you as well for joining us. Thank, thank you. you. Remember listeners to keep up to date with all our stories on Montel News and follow us on Twitter LinkedIn and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and even Google Podcasts. Thank you and goodbye.